You're tuned into the Bell News Interviews podcast. Fred Dreyer here with Spencer Pollison. Spencer, the other day I was riding my bike around. I look up the road and I see this woman riding around, national team kit, blue helmet. And I'm thinking to myself, who is this person? Was she really, really short? She was pretty short. Yeah, you're probably seeing Ruth Winder. It was Ruth Winder riding around the uh, roads outside Boulder, Colorado. She was getting ready for her big European road racing season, which was about to kick off. And sounds like you were able to sit down and chat with Ruth. I was, Fred. I got a chance to talk to Ruth uh, toward the end of the fall in 2017, so not too long ago. She has a big 2018 ahead of her. She will be racing for the Sunweb team, which is arguably one of the biggest women's outfits uh, in the world for, for cycling. She'll be racing alongside Corinne Rivera, who, as we all know, is the up-and-coming star of women's cycling for the U.S. She won Tour of Flanders last year. And Ruth Winder, no slouch herself, definitely was a big factor throughout the season in 2017. And um, as well at the, at the World Championships as well. We saw her spend a lot of time on the front of that peloton working for Corinne there. So talked about all manner of things, especially her big move to Europe, which is pretty much happening right now. Yeah, I'm really excited to see what Ruth does. We talked to her a bunch at the Tour California last year where there were some elbows being thrown with Bulls Dolmans. That's right. Ruth is not afraid to, to mix it up with, yeah. the, with the rest of the top women in the racing scene there. It's, it's good to see. Well, let's get to your interview with Ruth Winder. Ruth Winder, welcome to the Velo News Podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. Well, we're excited to have you here. Ruth, you have got a big year ahead of you in 2018, and that's because you are going to ride for the Sunweb team based in, uh, based in the Netherlands. Yeah, it's going to be a big change going from racing in the U.S. my whole Korea to going to full-time to Europe, but I think it'll be good. So you're 24 years old, and um, you, you had been racing for United Healthcare from 2014 through 2017, um, skipping the 2016 season due to the Olympics. Um, tell me about this, this change. How, um, is this something that's been in the works for a while? Um, I think when I very first started road racing, it was always a dream like it is for most road cyclists. Like you want to go race in Europe. It's where all the big races are. And from when I was 16, I think USA Cycling took me on my first trip over to Europe and threw me in. And I did Flush Alone for my first European block. And, you know, like it's just the racing there is so much different from the racing in the U.S. And, um I mean, I think I got dropped almost immediately in every single race I did. But from that point on, I was like, okay, the racing here is cool. I want to make this a goal. Um, And things kind of changed leading up into the Olympics where I started doing track for a bit. Um, And then after that, yeah, I had, uh, I didn't really know what would happen this last year with road racing. It turned out to be a really successful year. And then it turned out that I got, um, yeah, invited to join one of the best teams in the world. And that was pretty cool. So it was it was always a goal, but did I think it would happen this year this fast? No, not really. <laughs> yeah, you definitely did have a successful 2017, winning the Redlands Bicycle Classic, being really, really involved in the front end of the action in the Amgen Tour of California with your teammate Katie Hall mm-hmm. coming in second in the overall. And um, yeah, it's, it's exciting to see you making this step up from from an American-based team to Sunweb, which is arguably one of the best in Europe. Can you give me an idea of 
the timeline for this deal with your new team? When did you start talking to them or when did your agent start talking to them? How did it progress? Um, I started talking to them around tour of California, actually, just after that, I think they kind of saw my racing style there. Um, and then actually my dad kind of plays as my agent, which is really good because he definitely has my best interest at heart. And he was over in the Netherlands for a work trip about when the Dutch national championships were going on and was able to meet with a lot of the um, people at Sunweb that I needed him to meet with and talk with. And he got a really good vibe from the guy that he met with. Um, and I was having really good, com good conversations with people and felt really comfortable talking to them. And they seemed really, really professional about everything that they did and all the steps that they took. Um, and then, yeah, I think things kept taking steps pretty quickly after that. And then we, United Healthcare, went over to race in Europe towards the end of the year where I was able to meet some people face to face. And that's when I decided to sign a contract and sign for them. Have you, how, how close are you or how, how well do you know Corinne Rivera? Because of course she's the, the best known American rider over in Europe, I would say, apart from, well, I guess I'm maybe misstating that. Of course, the, the women on the Bulls Dolmans team, you know, but, but Corinne Rivera, obviously a notable rider on that team. Do you talk to her at all going into this deal? Was that something that helped convince you that this was going to be a good fit for you? Definitely. I mean, I've known Corinne, I would never say we've been very super close friends or anything like that, but we've been on the same teams for quite a number of years. So yeah, we know each other fairly well. She was on my first team pro man, uh, yeah, pro man when we first started racing together and we raced as juniors together on the same team and um, yeah, kind of grew up racing against and with each other. So I, I've known her through racing and I know her well enough to know that if she's happy in a team, then I think that it must be a really good team because she is highly competitive competitive and really wants to do well, but really takes, you know, the way she lives her life very seriously and wants to be a happy, a really happy human being. So I got a lot of encouragement from that. And when I talked to her about the team and messaged her about it, she only had good things to say. So definitely I used her as, as an alibi in that. And I, I presume you're going to be basing yourself in Europe for much of the season. Definitely. Um, it's just too hard to keep flying yeah. back and forth to the U.S. It's just a, such a long trip and takes so much out of your legs and your mind doing that trip all the time. Um, the team has a house in Sittard in Holland, which is actually stone's throw away from the USA Cycling National Team house. So I think in terms of living in Europe full time, having the U.S. National Team like right there is going to be really helpful because we'll just... I'll have Americans right there if I ever need to go speak some English. Definitely. So is Corinne giving you some tips before before you make the move? Is she 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 giving you like ideas of the the best place to get some uh, some uh, some authentic Netherlands food, or maybe not, or maybe the best place to get an American burger if you need a taste of the home country? Definitely, I think she knows the best place to go for a burger. Um, we'll see. I mean, I've definitely spent some time in Sittard already, kind of right. sussed out the sussed out the area, but it's going to be awesome to live with her and then. Um, also, Leah, the Canadian, will be living in the house, too. So it'll be really good to have have those girls there. Nice. Very nice. And have you talked to your new team much about what your 2018 race schedule might look like? Is there Do you have an idea of the, the focus for, for where you'll be racing? Um, yeah, the Hilly Classics, definitely. And, um, yeah, then probably the later Climia races. I'm trying to develop a bit more as a climber. Um, yeah. Giro Rosa, perhaps? Yeah. I know yes. you had your heart set on doing Giro Rosa in 2017, but unfortunately, UHC team didn't get invited. Yeah, UHC didn't get invited. <laughs> yeah. But maybe maybe, maybe in 2018. 
Is that is that something you see yourself as perhaps someday becoming a rider for GC in stage races or or perhaps just uh, cherry picking uh, stage wins that sort of thing? I'd love to be a GC rider, honestly. Okay. Yeah, I'd love to be. It's hard for me to speak confidently about these things because I feel like my legs are going faster than my brain can keep up. But <laughs> I think that that would be a kind of a dream come true if I could be a GC rider at the Giro. What's what still needs to develop um, um, to, to get to that point? Uh, I think my I think overall I need to gain a lot of power still. My climbing needs to be a little bit better. Still work on my time trolling. Even though I've done a lot of team pursuit on the track, I haven't done that much time trolling on the road. And that, it comes down to it a lot in women's, um, well, men's stage races as well. But yeah, the time trial is really important. And I think just growing in strength, but it, um, also in like me- mentally how to perform a proper time trial. Definitely. And that's actually a really good segue because I did want to talk to you about how track cycling has played into your development as a rider. Um, is it something, is it something that you feel was just, uh, it came along with your interest in road racing as well? Um, and, and how did it, how did it affect your, your abilities? Um, yeah, I mean, track racing, I kind of always did it as a junior okay. growing up in San Jose. Well, I grew up in Northern California and all the closest track was the San Jose Velodrome, Helio Velodrome. Um, and they had a really awesome junior program. Um, and I just did it at first. I really didn't like it at all. Actually. Really? Why not? Yeah. You're just going left all the time. That's the true, views yeah. never change. <laughs> and honestly, it was the community, um, that you started to, that I started to build around the track. Um, and then the fun competitiveness that you can really have with people on the track. And that kind of went from one thing to another. And I went to junior track worlds um, in 2010, I think it was. And then I kind of came away from the track again. And then after 2012, um, USA Cycling were like doing some development programs, trying to find their next round of team pursuiters. And I just remembered my love for the track and one thing went from there. Um, but I really think that they both road and track really complement each other a lot. Certainly, and of course, you see, you know, especially the British cycling and, and also Australia as well, using pursuit riders, or well, not using them, but using pursuit, the track discipline as a, as a development pool for, for elite road racing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it just is. Um, I think that you get so much leg speed and so much strength on right. the track. It's just There you incredible. go. That's what I was, I was looking yeah. for that insight. I was looking for that because I've never, I've never done a pursuit or anything like that. So yeah. I just don't even know like how it translates into actually like a road race. Um, I just, it's just so much brute power. Like yeah. sometimes I think people get too caught up in sprinting and climbing and time trialing and all those different things. At the end of the day, you just need the power. You just need the strength to be able to achieve what you're trying to achieve. And team pursuit, I mean, it's more like a sprint than anything else you'll do at the road and being able to buffer lactate like that is just, I mean, it's just so helpful in anything you can do and learning to suffer, I think is the biggest thing that it taught me. It's just like the the willingness that you have to be to suffer for your team in a team pursuit is <laughs> like, it was pretty, it was a lot of suffering. <laughs> right. Absolutely. And so uh, of course, um, I think a lot of our listeners probably know you were part of the Olympic team that went to, to Rio this year, you were, or last year, 2016, mm-hmm. you were, you were an alternate for that track pursuit team, which ended up getting silver. Can you tell us a little about that experience? Um, yeah, I mean, I think that the Olympics themselves is, is a super awesome experience, which you'd expect to hear. I mean, you show up in the Olympic village and you see 
all these athletes everywhere that you're going. Um, and then the event itself, we tried to treat it just like any other event. You try not to get caught up in your head and we'd done so much preparation leading um, up to it to try and treat it like any other event and all the training that we always did was always like what we would do at race day. So, so of that, um, I mean, I think the Olympics themselves was a really awesome day, um, really awesome event to be a part of. I have a lot of mixed emotions, just the how we got there as a team, which is a long story that I'm not sure how deep I'll go into today. Um, but I think, I mean, I guess I could just say what it taught me, and it just taught me to really enjoy the process more than anything. Like, really enjoy what you're doing. Definitely. Yeah. So so you were in Rio, even as an alternate. Can you actually just explain that? Like, explain it to me like I'm five years old. Like, how, <laughs> how, how does this work if you're an alternate for a trek? Um, pursuit team so for team pursuit you get to take five athletes and only four can compete at so we do three races ideally depending on how well you do so if you qualify well enough you get to go on to the next two rounds so we qualified well enough so basically you can start any one of those five people at in any of those rounds so this the four that do the first round don't have to be the same four that do the second or the third round uh, or the final and semi-final, or however you want to put it. Um, so for me, it's just the coaches decide who they want who they want to be there. I was I didn't get chosen to to race that weekend, um, and the other girls the other girls did really well and came silver. Um, Do teams yeah. ever game that where they they take a particular rider and maybe sit them for one round, but use them for the next one if they think they have a certain I don't know if if they're they're better for a certain type of race because it's a head-to-head race where you're pursuing the other team on the track. Mm -hmm, Definitely. So, because uh, I think the Olympics we had a day between events, which is actually different. Normally, you have um, you do your qualifier one day, and then the very next day you do the two second rounds. So at the Olympics, it was a bit different because you did have a a day of recovery. But teams a lot of the time will play the second round really strategically because you the way you get seated if you you know qualify first, then you're going to go against a slower team. So you don't necessarily need your A team. So you can rest maybe a rider that um, fatigues faster than another rider with your fifth rider in your second round so that ideally your more A rider is a little bit fresher for the final kind of thing. So you definitely can play a bit of a strategic game with different people that maybe have carry a bit more fatigue in the legs, something like that, rest them a bit more. But you didn't You didn't race any of the rounds for the U.S. team? No, I didn't. So, so if that's the case then, are you still doing like a routine of training during like that that week or whenever you are at the, at the Olympics to, to be ready in case, I don't know, someone trips and falls down the stairs or something crazy happens? Yeah, I was there. I was ready to race. Um, yeah. I was ready to, I was one, a part of the team, 100% there to be a part of the team, to do my job as best as I could. If I needed to race, I needed to race. Uh, I didn't find out that I wasn't racing until the actual day of the race. So I was, I mean, even if I had found out, I don't think that would have changed the way that I, I would, I would like to think of myself that I wouldn't have changed anything. I would still be just as professional about everything, but I was definitely 100% there ready to well, race. Yeah. You go all the way down to Rio. It's yeah. kind of like you sort of. You that for a job. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> Uh, did you, did you stay in the Olympic village? Yeah, yeah. we did. Um, that was super awesome. Um, yeah. So every country has their own house, basically. There's like these brand new apartment buildings that were hardly finished, you know, kind of a thing. Like they just put some Ikea furniture in there for the, for the athletes. Um, but yeah, super awesome. We were in, 
yeah, the U- Team USA house with all the different USA athletes, stuff like that. Any highlights of celebrities that you got to meet, celebrity Olympic athletes in the village? Uh, you know, I saw quite a few cool ones. I don't think I met any because I didn't want to be that annoying person, an annoying athlete. But Ruth, you're so hands. loud and outgoing. You're so loud and outgoing. I can't um, believe you didn't just rope them into a selfies all the time or something <laughs> like that. Right. I saw other people doing it and I was just like, uh, you know, they're athletes here too, trying to compete. And for me, I had been living in the training center, then the Olympic training center in Colorado Springs for two years. So it's kind of like, you know, I'd already been starstruck a little bit, like Lolo Jones walking around the training center and stuff like that. So maybe I was a bit more prepared. You're so over it. You're just like, whatever. I see <laughs> all these like, guys all the time. Let's just on. take a sneaky one from across the <laughs> <Just> room. <laughs> nice. Did you go to the opening ceremony or the closing ceremony? We went to the closing ceremony. Yeah. Which was super cool. Was actually. Cool? Yeah. It was really cool. You all go out in these matching outfits and march with all the rest of the people from all the different countries. And it's pretty cool. It's a really good atmosphere. Nice. Very cool. Um, wow. Olympics. That's pretty wild. Uh, <laughs> is this, I hope it's not too sensitive for me to ask, but do you get a medal if you're the alternate for the team? I didn't get a medal. No. Um, that seems unfair. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Those are the rules that they make, yeah. um, for the Olympics. I think a big highlight for me was you get as an athlete, I got one of these medals, which I gave to my um, previous coach, coach, Leonard Harvey Nitz, but you get um, an Ecos medal. Every athlete gets one of these medals to give your coach as kind of a thank you, or not maybe your coach or the person that helped you through a situation um, or helped you through your journey to the Olympics the best. And my teammate, Jennifer Valente, actually gave me her Ecos medal, which I have. And it's not a silver medal, which of course I would have loved, but... I think the journey that I went through with her and the, some of the other girls was really special and I'll have that and our friendship now for the rest of my life. So. That's very cool. That's very cool. And, and you're only 24 years old. So that's just one of many journeys I think for you as a pro cyclist from what I can tell. Yeah. Um, I, the la- um, one other question that's sort of a bit related there is as, as our listeners can probably tell, you don't really have that classic California accent. <laughs> you're, you're, you have just a faint hint of that. If you're British, um, background, you, you're actually born in, in the UK. So you're a dual citizen. Yep. Uh, has, have you ever thought about, um, trying to get involved with British cycling, given that you, you do have that citizenship because obviously they've got, a, an amazing program. They've got great resources and, um, you know, one could argue that as a, as a developing cyclist, maybe that would be a way to advance your career more. I did think about it. I thought about it when I was still a junior. It was funny cause I actually went over to England and raced like the crit state crit champion, the equivalent of like a state crit championships and national crit championships over in England. And uh, I did so terribly. But anyway, that's really? yeah, I did so terribly. And it was so funny. I think I got dropped off the line, basically. <sighs> and it was hilarious because then a couple of years later, I came back and did this tour series, which is super awesome. You can watch it on TV. They're like these 30 minute crits and they're super fun to watch if anybody wants. 30 some, minutes. 30 minute crits called the tour series. And I went over there and did them. And there were some girls in the race afterwards. And they were like, are you that same girl that came over years ago and did all state crit championships? And you got dropped off the line. You're so good now. What happened? And and shortly after that, I applied to the U.S. Um, the British national team were doing like a, you know, send in your application. Maybe we'll have a look at you type thing. And I sent mine in for that. And just I think it was 2011. And after that, they I think they folded their road team because they were putting all their eggs in the track cycling basket. And so I think that that just went, you know, 
through and nothing ever came of it, which ended up being just fine because I love living in California and and I love consider myself a Californian. So <laughs> when people say, oh, is England home? I'm like, not really. I left when I was six. <laughs> so... Yeah. So, so when that's that's actually the answer I was just looking for. Mm-hmm. So, when you were six, that's when your family moved to, to mm-hmm. the states. Yeah. So I moved. Yes, yeah, so two thousand. I think it was. Yeah. Me and I have five siblings. So my youngest siblings had just been born when we moved, and we moved to California, and we lived there for two years, and then we actually moved to North Carolina for two years, and then we moved back to California, and we've been there since. Yeah. Nice. And um, on the topic of international competitions, you also raced in the Bergen-Norway World Championships um, Mm -hmm. back in September. Tell me about that experience. That was super cool. Um, That was my first road racing World Championships. I'd been to track before, and it was kind of strangely similar because I've not really been to another road race where men's and women's teams are mixed together. Um, So that was the first road-specific race that I've been to where men's and women's teams together because in track cycling, the men and the women are all together. So that was a really big, interesting thing. And then the road race itself, um, we went into it with like a really good, solid plan. And we thought we could do really, really well. And we were really disappointed, I think, at the end of the race because we didn't do nearly as well as we thought that we could have done. And that was just for a number of reasons. Um, I personally don't think I raced my best. I think I was normally when you start racing, the nerves kind of just go You like the gun goes you stop pedaling you're like nerves are gone and that race I was so nervous the whole time and I really think that mentally that is something that I need to work on um, to be better less stressed and do too much work at the wrong times is what that caused basically Um, and then Crane needed a little bit more help there at the end and losing Megan in that crash was really devastating to the team Um, I'd imagine you're really relying on her to be part of the part yeah. of the, the, the setup for those final laps of yeah. racing. later on in, because the climb, I mean, the climb was still for, further enough away from the finish line to help get Corinne up there, but we just needed the bodies to kind of help her so she didn't have to do the work. When you talk about being nervous in that particular race, is this a matter of nervous by, about the fact that you're up against the absolute best in the world and possibly the most important race of the season, or is it more nervous about your own condition, your training, or or your own abilities? No, I think I was just really nervous because I knew how well we could do, and I really wanted to do the that well for yeah for the for the U.S. for Corinne for yeah. I wasn't so much like I think once, especially when you go into a race with kind of a worker bee type mentality. I, I really, I think I strive more under that goal when it comes to like uh, how well I'm riding, just because I don't want to let teammates down. But mm. anyway. Um, that's a, actually a nice segue because speaking of your move to Sunweb, do you anticipate that initially you will be in that sort of uh, worker role as you get accustomed to the racing and the peloton, that sort of thing? Yeah, a little bit for sure. And they're gonna, the girls are going to have to teach me a lot about the way the team works because they've kept the team almost 100% the same. They've just changed two, three, no, I think they had 11 girls, so they've gotten rid of three and only two of us are new. So I think that for me and the new, um, newer girl, we're going to have to learn a lot. So definitely at the beginning, but when, it, when are you actually kind of making the move to get over to Europe? 
January, wow. like January 2nd. It's coming right up. <laughs> yep. And you said you're out shopping for a new car this morning. Yep. What do you, you're not going to be able to have this car in Europe. I mean, right? <laughs> no, <Nope, laughs> no. Nope. leave it behind. Yep. Um, for a few years. Yeah. No, me and my boyfriend were looking at cars cause that's what you gotta do. You still gotta live life here. That's true. It doesn't. And is he going to stay based in Boulder mostly? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He has his business here. Um, little bike shop, Boulder Gruppetto. So he has to stay here to work, but it's nice because he can Quick plug, quick plug for the Boulder Gruppetto. Got to get that in there, right? (laughs) Um, He's the best bike shop in town. (laughs) Um, Totally unbiased. (laughs) Yeah, totally, completely unbiased. But yeah, he works for himself, so he gets to be his own boss and gets to pick his time off. So he'll be able to come over and visit. Um, Whenever I have a big stretch of time, something that's anything that's probably over two or three weeks, I'll come back to the US, which probably won't be that often. But you know, it's not forever. You don't get this kind of opportunity all the time. So got to go and do it and try it and figure out how it, how it works. Absolutely. And I expect you probably will come back for the tour of California. That's the biggest, the biggest race in the States. It's part of the world tour now. I would imagine that's on your, on your priorities list. I really hope so. I don't think the team has made any hundred percent decisions yet, but I really hope that they do. And I, especially growing up, like right around there, I love that race. So yeah, definitely. And as we, as I said earlier, you had a really good run at that race this year. There was of course, like a little bit of controversy with UHC <laughs> tangling with the with the with the yes. out of towners with mm-hmm. um it's It's all right. It's okay. Yep. No, there was a little bit. Um, and it came down to a really close race. I mean, we lost by a second, which right. was a little bit devastating. But whatever, it's racing. People. Do, do you think about these experiences down the road and future races where you're like, oh man, that rider was the one I was you know, kind of throwing elbows with at the finish of the Tour of California or something like that. Did, how, how, how long of a memory do you have for that sort of thing? Oh, I would say that that doesn't happen that often. So when it does happen with someone, especially kind of on that level, on like a bigger stage that it was, like it got picked up by the news and those articles, which... Sorry, that's partly our fault. Yeah, well, well it's your job, <laughs> isn't it? It's part of why people want watch the sport, which is kind of good for us too. Um, so... I mean, no, I mean, I think just being in a race with someone like that, you might just be mindful of it. Just, okay, if I know if I elbow her, then she'll probably elbow me back kind of a thing. But it's not a At grudge an, or anything. It's just like, oh. You have an understanding. Mm-hmm. There's, it's like, you know, like it's going to happen. So. Yeah. <laughs> if you poke a bear, it's going <laughs> to Yeah. And I think we all know what we're doing, especially right, at this course. level. Like if you, she knew what she was doing, I knew what I was doing. It's kind of just it's the way it goes sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so moving to Europe, uh, the, the, the other thing to consider is you and, and Zach, your boyfriend, you have a puppy, a yeah. puppy dog. Yeah. We got a puppy about a month ago. How are you going to handle <laughs> not being with your, your new puppy? It's going to be brutal. So when we first got him, we couldn't leave him in the crate at all. Cause he would be, he would cry so much when I came home. I thought he was going to have all these anxiety problems. And I was so funny cause I was texting my mom about it and she was like, are you talking about, and I was like, I don't know what's going to happen when I leave him and I go to Europe. He's going to have all these problems. He's going to be so anxious. My mom was like, Ruth, he's a dog. I think you're <laughs> going to be the one with the anxiety problems yeah. leaving your dog. And I'm like, Oh gosh, every day yeah. I think about that a little bit and you know, um, it'll be okay. It'll be hard sometimes and sad, but it'll have be you good. heard of have you heard of this thing? It's called Pet Cube. Yes, we got. I have one of those. Yeah, that might be a good way to keep tabs on Wallace. <laughs> yeah, you can have a little little camera and you can check in on him with the app. Yeah, it's pretty sweet. Yeah, so you could, you could borrow mine if you want. Maybe, 
maybe at least Zach will have a friend, right? I don't have to. That's true. You know, that was the big thing. Zach, Zach has a friend, so that was important to me as well. <laughs> a friend who leaves messes around the house. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Zach's like, oh, well, he's kind of a pain in the butt right now because he's three month old Tara, right. like oh, almost four months now actually. But like he's growing so fast, gets into everything, and I'm like, so I'm Zach keeps leaving for the weekends because he's working with Alan Colgoff going to the cross races, and Zach has been gone a few of the weekends. I'm like, oh my gosh, hurry up and get home. I can't handle this dog on my own. I'm like, I'm so sorry, babe. I'm leaving you alone with like a six month old puppy for four months next year. He's like, it's fine. He'll be better when he's six months. Like, oh, I think we'll that see. a six month puppy might be worse than a three month puppy. It was, it was really a smart move though for you to get the dog kind of in your off season. Yeah. Because it definitely, you don't sleep as well when you've got a puppy in the house from my experience. Not really. He's actually been really, really good. He sleeps pretty solid from eight to eight. No, eight till six, sorry, eight till six. But then he'll get up and then he'll take another nap. And that was a big lesson I learned. If you get a puppy, you just put them down for nap. Forced nap time. <laughs> they get grumpy. Don't just keep playing with them. Put them yeah, away for a nap. They don't know how to stop. They yeah. Don't, no, they don't know how to stop. Yeah, but it'll be good. He's, he's a cutie pie. So, yeah, we wanted to get a car so that we can drive with him out to California for Christmas. Got it all. Yep. You got the job car the dog well you haven't got the car yet but no probably but well. probably on monday okay it's been a big year of adulting yeah right and now and now you're into the big leagues for yeah for <laughs> cycling. so um cool well thank you so much for spending some time with us ruth yeah. and um best of luck in your move to the netherlands thank you very much 